Welcome to Grace Notes. On our last program, we determined that to be able to address God as Father and pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we must be adopted into his family. John 1, 12-13 says that to be a child of God, we need to receive him into our life. It reads, To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We believe in the name of the Lord because it represents all that he is, his character and nature, and the honor due him for it. No one can come to God the Father except by believing that Jesus died and rose from the dead to pay the penalty for our sin. We don't even have faith enough to believe on our own. Jesus, the author of faith, gives it to us if we are but willing to believe and ask him for it. As we continue our study of the model prayer, we'll look into why Jesus said we should acknowledge where God resides when we speak with him. Stay tuned for some interesting insights that will help you enhance your prayer life. Wouldn't it be strange if when we spoke with people, we not only called them by name, but also cited where they lived, especially those we knew well? Sure it would. So why then did Jesus instruct us to say our Father in heaven when we speak to God? Our Father expresses God's nearness to us, but the preposition in heaven shows his distance from us. The one we call Father in prayer is the all-powerful God of all authority. And though he is in heaven, he's not there alone because he fills both heaven and earth. Acknowledging where our Heavenly Father resides differentiates God from our earthly Father. While He does have fatherly attributes, He is also the Father of the whole universe, of angels and men. He's the one who sees all things, both in heaven and earth, who knows every creature and all the works of every creature, and every possible event, from everlasting to everlasting. King David so beautifully expressed his feelings about the greatness of God in Psalm 8, 3-4. He said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? David got it. (laughs) He, or should I say we, are nothing, and God is awesome. But remember... At the heart of this vast universe, there's not only ultimate power, there's ultimate love. Okay, is that enough to help you realize who it is you're praying to? I think we forget sometimes. The fact that we meet him at the throne should fill us with awe. The fact that it's the throne of grace makes him approachable. But we must be respectful. To say that God is our Father doesn't imply that He's a great, big, huggable teddy bear or the man upstairs. If you're intimidated by all this, let me reassure you that as believers in Christ, we are privileged to have been placed in a heavenly position. Philippians 3.20 states that as children of God, our citizenship is in heaven. Vance Havner wrote, Christians are not citizens of earth trying to get to heaven— but citizens of heaven making their way through this world. Ephesians 2.6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. The word seated is past tense. It's a done deal. So when we pray in this manner, let's remember that we're taking our rightful place with Christ 
next to our Abba Father. This should make our prayer time even more special. Hebrews 9.24 says that Christ, our mediator, did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Verse 26 states that his once-for-all sacrifice was made to do away with sin so we can have fellowship with the Father. I love the way John Darby describes this. The believer is admitted into God's own presence by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. The believer has constant access to God, immediate access to the place where he is, in the light. What complete salvation, what blessedness, what security. Now that's something to get excited about. We should never take prayer for granted or make light of it. It's an incredible honor and privilege God has granted us, and we need to praise Him for the wonder of it and His love. our first son, I trained in self-hypnosis so I could deliver him naturally. One of the techniques I used was to picture a place that relaxed me. I thought of the beach where we vacationed. Focusing on the waves crashing on the shore, the seagulls calling, the smooth white sand on my feet, and the warm sun immediately calmed me and took my thoughts off the labor pains. I was less tense so my oxygen could be used to gain the most out of the contractions. Now, don't get me wrong, prayer isn't putting oneself in a hypnotic state, but it's meditating on God and on heaven 
And when we do that, our focus shifts from our painful situation to our loving, caring Father and all He's given us. This helps us make the most out of our lives. Recently, while studying the book of Esther, I learned that one of the king's customs was that if someone came into his court uninvited, including the queen herself, he could have them executed. Esther, his queen, did come to his court uninvited to ask him to attend a banquet where she would eventually tell him of the plot to kill her and her people, the Jews. When he saw her, he received her by extending his scepter. This must have been a frightening experience for her. How we don't have to be scared to enter God's throne room, much less wonder if he'll accept us. As a believer, he sees us as righteous through the blood of Christ. Hebrews 1.8 says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. John Gill's Bible exposition clarifies the word scepter as, The Syriatic version renders it a scepter stretched out, which is a scepter of mercy, as the instance of Azuharis stretching out his scepter to Esther shows. Such is the gospel of Christ, which holds forth and declares the mercy, grace, and love of God to men through Christ, and which may be called a scepter of righteousness, since it reveals and directs to the righteousness of Christ. Why not enter God's throne room right now with a humble and a grateful heart and praise Him for His marvelous salvation? Visualize Him not only extending His scepter to you, but His hand of love as well.
been listening to Grace Notes. If this ministry has blessed you, please write and tell us at Sandbeck Ministries, P.O. Box 581, Falston, Maryland, 21047. Or contact us through our website at www.gracenotesradio.com. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you.